Coming up this evening, live from New York City, the U.S. adds more jobs than expected in June, despite recession fears. Which sectors did well and what's the outlook for the economy? Twitter laying off a third of its recruiting team after saying it was just going to pause hiring. Why is it cutting jobs now? German renters bracing for a cold winter among the gas crisis. The country's largest landlord says it'll reduce heating to save energy. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Chenny Wu here for NTD Business. It started with plans to just pause hiring, but now Twitter is laying people off. About 30% of its recruiting team, that's around 100 people, will lose their jobs. A Twitter spokesperson says the decision was made because of revised business needs, as the social media company waits on the pending acquisition by billionaire Elon Musk. It's been a confusing and contentious process, and now news from the Washington Post that members of Musk's team say the deal is in, quote, serious jeopardy over supposed challenges verifying spam accounts. But if Musk ends up trying to pull out of the deal, it could lead to a long legal battle. The U.S. saw a healthy boost in hiring last month, 372,000 jobs. That's more than 100,000 over what economists expected. Sectors that added a lot of jobs include professional and business services, leisure and hospitality, and healthcare. The latest numbers came out today in the Bureau of Labor Statistics monthly jobs report. Unemployment held steady at 3.6%, still close to the 52-year low we hit in the months before the pandemic. Despite June topping estimates, the job gains for April and May are lower than previously reported, 74,000 lower. Economists predict job growth will slow in the coming months as recession fears grow. And here to talk to NTD's Don Ma about the jobs report is Julia Pallick. She's chief economist at job search company Zip Recruiter. So 372,000 jobs added this month. Uh, unemployment rates stayed the same, 3.6%. Now, this doesn't look like an economy going into a recession to me. Are you feeling good about this report? I'm feeling very good about this report. Uh, this does not look like a recession at all. Uh, we may get two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. That is sometimes tossed around as a shorthand for a recession, but it does not actually meet the broader, more robust definition of a recession, which is a slowdown broadly across the economy. So the NBER has a, a you know a group that dates recessions, and they look at other things like personal income and uh, and non-farm payrolls. Those are the two most important things they look at, and this non-farm payroll number is huge. Now, when the Fed sees this report, are they going to be even more aggressive in their rate hikes? So, you know, there was a view before this report that a good report might be bad news because it would signal uh, further tightening. I think the Fed would have had to tighten no matter what because of how high inflation has been. And and so this report is good news. It means that the, the Fed will continue tightening but without causing too much pain on, uh, on Main Street. Uh, it looks to me as though this labor market is actually resilient enough, strong enough, robust enough to handle a return to sort of neutral interest rates, to more normal, you know, historically average interest rates. Uh, it's not really flinching so much. Now, there is one thing that caught my eye, though. 
uh, unemployment rate stayed the same, but the workforce actually shrank a little bit. Uh, how do you explain that? Yeah, so overall, this household report, you know, one part of the jobs report is, is based on a household survey. The household survey generally was actually quite weak and very inconsistent with the very strong establishment survey that we're seeing. I think that the the big uh, establishment figures that we are seeing are more consistent with what we're seeing in our marketplace at ZipRecruiter. Uh, employers still seem to have extremely high demand for workers. Customers are coming in the doors faster than candidates are coming in for interviews still. Uh, this labor market still remains very, very tight and, um, and does, does not yet show much sign of slowing down. So... 372,000 is slightly lower than last month, uh, and we're expecting the Fed to tighten monetary policy. Uh, going forward, are, is it possible that there might be a cool down in the labor market? Yes. So we should expect now that the private sector has fully recovered, that hiring should go back to a more normal pace. So uh, this report marked the full recovery of the private sector. In fact, there are now 140,000 more people working in the private sector than before COVID. And, uh, and so we should expect to see 2019 type numbers going forward. That, you know, that year we saw 164,000 uh, jobs added each month on average. Uh, the year prior, we saw 191,000 on average. Uh, those numbers are kind of more normal and they're, they're still very strong, right? Remember how we were talking about the labor market in 2018 and 2019, it was a strong, strong labor market. We uh, continued to see people coming in off the sidelines. Participation kept edging upwards. The employment population ratio kept ticking upwards. We saw more and more women coming into the labor force. Um, so that, let's hope that we get back to that kind of situation where we have sustainable long-term growth um, in a sort of Goldilocks situation uh, and in a lower inflation environment. In the public sector, we're still in a big hole, uh, 664,000 jobs short. That is a big conundrum. It should be a big political issue, frankly, uh, because um, uh, aid to state and local governments was a cornerstone of the American Rescue Plan. We gave hundreds of billions of dollars to, to state and local governments uh, to avoid exactly this scenario. And where is that money gone? Uh, there were very few conditions put on that money, and there was almost you know, no oversight. And so it seems like that money has been used to do all kinds of other things rather than maintaining access to education and the quality of education and other government services. Julia Pollack, Chief Economist, ZipRecruiter, thanks for coming on. Thank you. A new study finds that all those stimulus checks the government sent out had no long-term impact on people's financial well-being. Researchers from Harvard and the University of, of Exeter observed over 5,000 people's finances, psychological states, and physical health during the first year of the pandemic. They even peered into people's bank accounts. And apart from an increase in spending after getting the cash, there was pretty much no positive impact in any area. In fact, after getting the checks, people did worse on psychological and health measures. The researchers aren't completely sure why, and they suggest many reasons. For example, maybe people spent the money on drugs and alcohol, which harmed them. Or maybe they were disappointed they didn't receive more money. Or maybe receiving the money made them feel poor. Amazon and the Port Authority of New Jersey have thrown away plans for a new Amazon cargo hub at Newark Liberty International Airport. This is an important location 
because it's close to the New York metropolitan area. Neither, said, neither side has said why. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. Amazon and the Port Authority of New Jersey have abandoned plans to build a cargo hub at Nork Liberty International Airport, a deal worth $300 million over 20 years. Newark's critical uh, air hub for uh, Amazon because of the sheer volume of packages that have to be serviced to the greater New York metropolitan market area. Mark Wolfrat is the president of MWPVL, a supply chain and logistics consultancy. Wolfrat says that the New York metropolitan area is currently being serviced by three air hubs that are farther away. There was indeed a need for that facility. They'll now have to figure out where they're going to go with it. The New York Times says this comes after unions and advocacy groups objected to the lease, saying they couldn't support it unless Amazon met a list of concessions. One of the advocacy groups is Clean Water Action. An incredible victory for us in our coalition of uh, Good Jobs, Clean Air. Amy Goldsmith is the New Jersey State Director at Clean Water Action. Goldsmith says her group was concerned about things like health and safety safeguards, Amazon's trucks damaging the roads, and the impacts on small businesses. We spent months literally canvassing communities and getting people to sign pledge cards to agree to to the issues that we cared about, like clean air and good jobs. Uh, we mobilized our congressmen to, um, you know, weigh in and, and have influence. They even got Newark Mayor Roth Baraka and Congressman Donald Payne to weigh in on their side. On another side of the story, Amazon posted its first loss since 2015 in the latest quarter, and the company believes it's overexpanded. It's a question of timing. So they will eventually do something in that region for an air sortation center. They need a facility there. It's just a question of when. Mark Wolfrat, the logistics consultant, believes Amazon wants to delay construction to improve their income statement. Arlene Richards, NTD News. This is the second time Amazon's expansion plan in the New York area has been dropped. In 2019, it pulled out of a plan for a second headquarters in New York City because of criticism. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was one of the most vocal opponents. Wall Street ended the day pretty flat. The Dow was down 46 points or two-tenths of a percent. The S&P fell three points or about one-tenth of a percent. And the Nasdaq added 14 points or also about one-tenth of a percent. All three indexes ended the week largely unchanged. Turning to Europe, German energy provider Uniper is warning consumers about natural gas price hikes. It also says they could even see their supply cut at some point. Here's the company's CEO today. Next week already, we will inform our clients about the current situation and tell them that significant price increases are to be expected. In isolated cases, we will not be able to rule out supply cuts as part of our existing contracts. The current situation leaves us with no other option. Uniper is Germany's biggest natural gas importer and has been hit the hardest as the prices soared after Russian supplies fell. European natural gas prices have surged over 700 percent since the start of 2021. Uniper has been struggling to deliver gas and is in talks with the German government for a bailout. The government could either take a big stake in the company to keep it afloat or let it pass higher costs on to consumers. 
But either way, Germany's economy minister says they won't let Uniper go bankrupt. The Russian gas shortage in Germany is also forcing its largest landlord to ration energy. The company Venovia says it'll start reducing heat for many tenants at night, down to about 63 degrees. The aim is to save up to 8% on energy costs. The company says during the day, tenants can use their heat normally. The rationing won't affect hot water either. With falling gas imports from Russia, Germans could face skyrocketing heating bills early next year. Over half of the landlord's heating system is supplied by gas. Last month, Venovia's CEO said he expected rising energy prices to cost tenants the same as up to two months' rent. The reduced heating schedule will be rolled out gradually over the coming months. It'll be fully in place by fall. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin said today if Western sanctions against Moscow continue, Europe could see even higher energy prices. And the consequences would be, quote, catastrophic. Here's what he said today. All this once again shows that sanctions, restrictions on Russia, cause much more damage for those countries that impose them. Further use of sanctions may lead to even more severe, without exaggeration, even catastrophic consequences on the global energy market. Europe relied on Russia for around 40 percent of its natural gas, mostly through pipelines. But supply has been greatly cut because of the war. Some countries have been completely cut off because they refuse to meet Russia's demand and pay in rubles. The latest contention point is a turbine for the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, a major system delivering Russian gas to Europe. The turbine is being serviced in Canada, and Ukraine doesn't want it returned to Russia. But the Kremlin said if they get it back, they'd increase gas supplies to Europe. Still to come, Ferrari breaks a record with a luxury item that has nothing to do with cars. What's so special about it? Venture capital firm Sequoia Capital is looking for promising startups to teach them how to really sell their ideas. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Ferrari and Swiss watchmaker Richard Mill have teamed up to create the world's thinnest watch. The RM UPO1 Ferrari is only 1.75 millimeters thick. It's made primarily out of titanium. Mill says the device can withstand accelerations of up to 5,000 Gs and is water resistant. He says the watch is the product of 6,000 hours of development and testing. Mill also describes the watch as a triumph of technical prowess. The watch sells for $1.9 million, and they're only making 150 of them. Startup companies looking for funding have an opportunity to sign up for a new program from Sequoia Capital, 
which supplies $1 million along with courses in business design. NTD's Sean Marshall has more. Investment firm Sequoia Capital wants to invest $1 million into each company that fits the criteria of their ARC program. Then send them through a seven-week course to learn how to design, build, and scale enduring companies. It will also give them opportunities to meet fellow founders, experienced operators, and an exceptional community that will help elevate their game. Business advisor Bob Bilbrook sees this idea as creative and innovative. You know, a founder might be a doctor, uh, they might be a lawyer, they might be a plumber. You know, founders come from all kinds of walks of life and um, a lot of the things they're not experts in is like business practices and, you know, the, the things that are going to really drive a company. There are seven core subjects that Sequoia Capital will be teaching the qualifying startups. The scale of their ambition, who they're building for, how to build great products, sales and marketing, culture and hiring, creating value, and how they'll win. Bill Burke talked about another way startups can get funding. Another wonderful way to get uh, funded um, is through grant funding, and there's a lot of private and public grants um, out there available to these entrepreneurs um, through all kinds of different private and public um, grant found, you know, grant areas. Right now, 17 startups are finishing the program in Europe, and a similar number will be accepted into a U.S. and Latin America program this September. Startups can apply through July 22nd. Sean Marshall, NTD News. The technology that keeps autonomous cars on the road has moved onto the sidewalk. It's helping the blind and those with limited sight navigate through crowds. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. Biped AI has incorporated the same artificial intelligence into a shoulder-mounted smart harness worn around the neck that directs the wearer around any obstacles in their way. The device is called Biped One. I can hear the sounds of an obstacle becoming louder and louder. Okay, now I know I am close enough, and I know there is nothing on my left, so I can keep going. Biped One generates intuitive 3D sounds to warn the wearer about the position of anything they may collide with. The sounds are delivered to a pair of bone conduction headphones that leave the ears free to hear normally. It does a bit of what an autonomous vehicle does, but on a pedestrian scale. We detect obstacles, cars, pedestrians, pedestrian crossings, and depending on the context, we filter the data to keep the most important information. We warn the user with 3D sounds, a musical note for each type of object around them, directly played in the headphones the user is wearing. Biped's developers met at a hackathon. They realized they shared a frustration that autonomous vehicles were getting a tech solution, while blind and visually impaired people still walked with white canes. We are working on other extensions, in particular a B2B one. We could equip buildings to make them completely accessible to visually impaired people. More than 100 beta testers have helped develop the device, which goes on sale in September at a price of $3,150. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. With people cooped up at home during the pandemic, the video game industry enjoyed massive growth. There were new game system launches and a much larger audience. But thanks to inflation, the gaming market is now expected to contract for the first time since 2015. Market research firm Ampere Analysis expects the industry will experience a 1.2% decline this year. It's not a big drop, but it comes as a jolt after years of solid growth. With today's market almost double what it was in 2015, 
Seven years ago, it was worth $95 billion. Last year, it was worth $191 billion. But as the cost of living goes up, people will likely have less money and less time for entertainment. In Australia, rent and housing prices, interest rates and inflation are all on the rise. But in one South Australian city, Habitat for Humanity is offering discounted building products to help the public and those in need. Here's a story. <laughs> Instead of secondhand clothes, this store in Adelaide, Australia's northwest is selling discounted building materials, old and new. Launched by Habitat for Humanity Australia, visitors can find everything from floorboards to plumbing, light fixtures to bathroom fittings and furniture, much of it half the usual retail price. Really surprised at how cheap things have been here and it just gives you an opportunity to perhaps buy something that you might have to save up for or you wouldn't get otherwise. It's an initiative that's been 15 years in the making. The money that we raise here is what will go back into our program. So it will go back into the building, um, the, the homes for the disadvantaged and, and for apartments. The organisation so far has built more than 40 homes and apartments for struggling South Australians. But the store is available to all, no matter how they're coping with the rising cost of living. Knowing that what you buy, that the money goes to, you know, housing people. So as well as feeling good about keeping things from landfill and having a nice buy for your house. Many of the new products on sale are leftovers from building sites or donated by businesses as surplus stock. The local council is also hoping it becomes a hub for recycling. Why would we put something out into the um, dump if we can actually use it and put it to good use? Two new charity shops will soon open in the state of Victoria. Reporting by Andrew Thomas, NTD News. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, send us an email at business at ntd.com. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Chenny Wu. You can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter, too. For NTD Business, that's all for today. Thanks for watching and have a nice weekend.